Mason Dixon, a view from an office cube. Painful insights on race, religion and sex. This book is to my late wife, Tantia, and to the three major religions I still growing. This book was written while prelude. This book was written while my technical career diminished. I watched others excel in southern corporate environment based on gender and the colour of their skin. I realised at a stage of my life that racism was powerful, but it could be only effective only if you surrender to it. I have learned to accept subconsciously the life card that's given me in a way of environmental, cultural and economic imprints from my childhood. You are given obstacles from the day of conception. As a sperm, each of us is one of the millions, possibly billions, not in the vulgar way. Each of us is ejaculated into an unknown environment that is competitive from the start. The journey of the egg is already hostile and dangerous, though we made it. Yes, I made it out of millions of billions. I made it, but yet to encounter another hostile environment, the egg, the race, for the egg, and once again not having form. I made it. Then, while hitting the egg of my mother, another electric charge takes place. Then, without any human intervention, I am ready for the new environment. How I survive, it, it mandates using what I have already been equipped with. After nine months, you hear a new environment. Strike one, you're black. Strike two, you're black male. Strike three, you're born without much wealth. Now you can see, I did not say poor. There is no, that is the reason why I left out being poor. It's because I have entered the world without much material wealth. I did not have as much as I would have liked. The supreme being blessed me with wealth that many people I have since encountered did not have. A loving, praying mother, a strong father figure, a family that loved me and supported me. Though I disagreed with many of them on the things that went on in my family, a love that we shared outweighs any difference that we, have, we may have. In addition, while being blessed to be able to write and advance in age, I realised that some of the, the things I, some of the things I swore I would never do, I'm doing. However, I've never been a physical victim of the prison industrial complex that has imprisoned me in my mind. I have realised that I am continuously daily Battle, I mean, continuous daily battles against myself. Since writing this book, I've come into va to value enemies just as much as I value friends. My enemies have taught me much, mo taught me more about myself. Most importantly, they taught me I am what I must do to elevate spiritually, mentally, and physically. This book is more than a book about my life. This book is an account of what life is thrown at me. So far, the tools are and the armour I've attained from God to master the future obstacles I will surely meet. I am confident the reader of this piece will find this topic of discussion and be life-changing. Peace on to you.
Chapter 1. Carolina. The baby boy, late 1970s. Daddy would ride me everywhere on the back of his old pickup truck, especially in spring days in the country. They were all south. Take the old pickup a couple of times to start, but like clockwork, the old full truck was always dependable. Being a boy that loved to play outside, I'd normally be halfway up a tree, too fat or too tired to climb to the top. I was listening out for the screen door on the, on the porch, so shut. He would call my name. Doogie, doogie, come on, boy. I would already be halfway down the old tree. The smell of strong car or pipe he would have dangling from the corner of his mouth was my alert. As I hopped on the back of the old pickup, he drove up the roads, a scent of fenchly tilled dirt or come out cow, cow manure was common. I had born Douglas Bay Bureau in 1968 at a heightened civil rights movement. Da- Daddy, whose name is Roy Brewer, was a sharecropper in rural North Carolina for most of his life. Most of our siblings had left for the north, New York City, New Jersey, Baltimore. Migration up north, as many already know, happened regularly. It happened to my mother's side of the family. Also, the climate in the south was not a good place for the some good black people during the years before and prior to my birth. Majority of my family on both sides migrated to the north, looking for so-called better life. Dad chose not to leave North Carolina. His decision puzzled me, as I saw through the eyes of a child. How good and happy my uncles and aunts were up north. As a child, like most young boys, I was very curious about many things. When I was not eating anything, everything put before me, I was running some sort of odd or random questions by my parents, primarily running a boatload of them to Daddy. I must have run him crazy, but he never shunned me away. He always had some sort of answer for me. I never saw Daddy drink alcohol. Neither was there any alcohol allowed in our house. The only time drinking was allowed in the house was when my uncles came down from the north. Late summer, our house would be filled with a smell of cheap liquor, cigar smoke and laughter. As I would hear them laugh and talk about their old times, my uncle Floyd Brewer, along with my aunt Hattie Jane, who lived in Baltimore, always made it a point to drive down south every summer. Uncle Floyd's Cadillac would be packed with my cousins, who were a bit older than I was. My older brothers and sisters had a great time with them. Our family reunion seemed just as exciting as holidays. With that said, our family was close-knit. My parents, along with my aunts and uncles, made sure that we knew the importance of family. It is common for my northern, northern cousins to spend the whole summer with us, as they called it, down south. Before I was born, my family lived near Olive Branch, North Carolina, where Mama had eight children. One girl to precede me, my sister, Cynthia, sadly passed on. I learned that Mama and Daddy lived in this cropped land owned by local whites, the Sergal family. Daddy has shared crops since he was nearly a child himself. He learned from t- talking to Mama, my uncles, that Daddy's parents had died early. He and one of my aunts were the only two out of the eight of the children to stay in the South. Sharecropping was about, was what paid the bills for them back in the 60s. I was told you should 
hear me soon will leave because the landlord-owner had threatened to whip me on my brother for not picking a batch of eggs for him. Sounds like the 1800s, huh? Nope, it was the late 60s and we are still catching hell. My family moved to the town of Marshville. Nothing really but an extension of the branch, but closer to the town. Being that I was born in 1968 to Sierra I found that Mum and Daddy had only two children that weren't born in the hospital. The rest of them were my midwife. My parents, Roy and Hadita Brewer, had in order Sassy, whose real name is Esther, and the snowman, whose real name is Peter. I never... I was never close with him as a boy because I never saw him much. He was just, he was just back from Vietnam. Snowman was trying to make amends with a woman he married after leaving for duty. Snowman, belly about five foot six, shorter than average, but with a spunk of a put bear. was the oldest boy. There was, there, there, then there were Hattie Lee, Donald Ray, a.k.a. Gus, the senior per Philip, a.k.a. Moon, Cynthia, who preceded me in death two years, and then me. Everyone in our rural area had gardens. Our garden was packed with vegetables of all kinds. I can remember any time going to, to the store to buy any vegetables. As a young boy, I always saw Daddy working all the time. At times, Daddy used to use a mill to plough our garden that was located behind our house. Occasionally, he would borrow a tractor, but he preferred the mill. My lazy behind was always the last to get up. But I knew it, it was time to plough the garden when I heard the loud sound of Giddy up, giddy up, oh no. Daddy used to yell. Daddy stood about five feet six and or seven inches tall, and most always wore a hat tilted aside. Now Daddy was small in stature, his hands were hands of steel, being that he was doing hard labour since a child, and years of hard work radiating his hand in his face. When not working or playing, doing business, he wore nice iron pyjamas as he relaxed around the house, maybe with a cigar. I would beg him to let me steer the mule. Daddy, please let me steer the mule. I would plead with him all the time. Occasionally he would let me give it a shot. I tried to plough, but I was not good enough at it, even though I was fat, stocky, and kid, kid, and not old enough to do it. Daddy really did not have much for me to do around house or field except for help pick the potatoes, ice potatoes he called them. Sometimes he would have me pull and suck, suck around coal or fetch stuff from the garden, family garden or smokehouse. He bathed me a lot. When Daddy was working a job at the local factory, I was sitting in the alert road. I did this almost every day and when Mum allowed me to. I'd sit and watch cars to go by, waiting for this one of his buddies to drop him off. I was eager to get my piece of the sandwich. He always had saved me for lunch and Mama had made him. He and I would walk towards the house. I would nibble on a piece of sandwich and ask all sorts of questions. He would do his best to answer anything I threw at him. But at times he'd give up give me looks so he wanted me to shut up. I was really glad to see him just as See his stern face and little grin to give he gave me. As he walked up to the as we walked up the old dusty road with a smell of the factory on his shirt, his hat tilted.
one side, his big lunchbox in one hand, the other resting on my hand. I knew he was tri- tired, but found time to talk to me. Daddy looked over the, ma- the older than Mama did, and she was not some of but some of his aging was due to work overload. He seemed to be never rest. He was not at work, he was in the garden or looking after the livestock, helping out friends of his. Mama would always intervene, saying, Doogie Daddy, he's tired and he needs some rest. Leave him alone for me, boy. I would do what I was told for a while, but later started splattering questions at him again. This is a whole to be Mark podcast show, and I have been reading from the book by Mason Dixon, A View from an Office Cube, Painful Insights on Race, Religion and Sex, available on Amazon.com for the price of $9.11 for Kindle or $18.95 for paperback. Transitioning into Womanhood, Journey of Self-Realization by Codricia R. Matthews Acknowledgements I give my praise and thanks to my Heavenly Father for placing such a huge dream in my heart. Even when I was less than worthy of being his messenger, he continued to believe in and bless me. I would also like to thank my power, my daughter in spirit, Charlene Hamblin, soon to be Dr. Hamblin. Your refusal was the fuel that kept me driven through it all. The time you invested was deeply appreciated. I love you. Our years have grown to deeply love a few women, but for me, my grandmother stood out more. Sorry, Mum. To me, my grandmother represents the true qualities of woman in all forms. Throughout my life, she was successfully portrayed the qualities of a whole and balanced woman. Her, her being is very much reflected in a woman who had entered and embraced womanhood. My memories as a child were her being a mother, but but not to her not not just her own children, or ten of them, and grown children, but also the people in the village in which she, we lived. She is still respected and lovely known by all as Mother Enid in Edna. Our home was always filled with labouring children and adults. Her memories of her literally scraping the pot for meals in order to ensure that no one was left hungry. I've never seen her emotionally imbalanced. It was ever, if she was ever angry or upset, she dealt with it privately and quietly. To this day, she was the kindest, gentlest eyes and a smile that melts hearts. She's humble, God-fearing, and living to all. She's always carried herself in the most graceful and respected manner. For many years, until his death, she was my grandfather's faithful wife and his life partner, working diligently to provide for their family. On account of this, it was easy for me to see, when I lost my way, that what actions and sense of being were not reflected of a wise, maturing woman. I therefore realised a need for a few, few, further emotional and spiritual growth 
I'm grateful to Mum for inspiring me. Many thanks, I love you. Many thanks to my mother, Angeli. My father, Alan, for teaching me some great lessons and values for the great choices that they, they made on my behalf. Always extend my love to my entire family. I'm grateful to have all of to have you all at the centre of my universe. To all the ladies who have played motherly roles in my life. I, added, I have added great value to it. I have influenced one form or another. The person I am today, Miss Amber Dugan, Angie Betty, Miss Stephanie Julis, Miss Norma Ashby, Miss Hyacinth DeFarius, Miss Dorothy Peters, I am great, forever grateful with love always. Many thanks to my partner and love of my life, Mr. Alistair Peters. Knows thanks of being one of the best men I have known. Ought to all my love forever and always. To my best friend, Mrs. Julia Peters Davis, I love you. Introduction. The word transiting is defined as movement, passage, or change from one position, stage, to another. Merlin whispers dictionary. Throughout our life, we go through various stages. These stages are apparent in our transition from a baby to a young child, into a less and less and a folly adult. True adulthood comes from maturity. Maturity in psychological is ability to respond to your environment in an appropriate manner, which comes with a consciousness of self or knowing oneself a depth and realize the sense of responsibility of government control on actions, decisions and behaviour. Often we take it for granted that maturity comes naturally as we age, but this is not always the case. Realisation of self is continuous awareness of the responsibility and efforts required to mould ourselves in every area of life. It leads us to define purpose and acknowledgement of the purpose. Transiting into the adult is when then made it easier if we get, as we get older, since we can draw on increased wisdom, hence growth in our thinking and well-being. Failure to transition effectively into adult often comes with a real or consistent unhappiness where we perceive ourselves to be in life and need to realise or become more. This feeling of discontentment or happiness acts as an alarm or should to to indicate the need for self-realisation or in-depth knowledge and awareness of one's being and true self on a deeper or spiritual level. The awakening, realising my transition. Before I consciously realised my own transition into womanhood, I was made aware of my fragile state of being. I began asking myself questions such, such as, who am I? What do I want for, out of life? What's my life's purpose? Am I, am, I, am I where I should be? It was a grim day when I realised that I had no idea what the answers were to many of those questions. The questions themselves were, were not new to me. In fact, for many years I've been haunted by them. I had slightly chosen to bury them deep within me, afraid I might have to find the answers. So I endured with difficulty making unwise choices and sometimes allowing these choices my environment and other people to influence and shape me to lessen who I wanted to be. I'm battling for life, life ill-equipped, so I transitioned like a raft without a paddle, floating around in circles, till finally one day I said, I had enough, I need more from life, my life. 
There is a huge difference between the woman I am today and who I was five years ago. Today my smile was death. I am confident in who I am, who, who, who I can be. I have a wealth of knowledge. My posture is almost as it, as it should be. When I speak of posture, I am referring to my reflection from my eyes. I not only recognise the positive physical changes, but I can equally proud the person who has come inside. It's true, the time has left its scars. Nevertheless, I'm strong and confident in the grace and love of my creator, the true wellness of life. The appreciation of growth I have just highlighted, you need to know my story, which I share as we go along. I shall tell you this. I've allowed myself to age physically and mentally, running after the world and after people who did not appreciate my value as emotionally tormented, spiritually drained and battered with torments, what appeared to be expectations of others equally as my own. Don't let me, don't get me wrong. I blame all my life's problems to not rest on the shoulders of others. However, my perception of all that played in my life hampered my growth and development. The roads that travelled over years were not easy and countered the usual changes. But I, but I, because, but I, because of the, these were compounded by the fact I was ill-prepared to head towards a more mature life. I was led, led by the illusions and deceptions of the world. People around me who were either too caught up in the bowels of life's trials, who just did not know how or did not want to take the time to relate the welfare experience in a younger, less knowledgeable minds. Equally, in my young, naive state, I was probably so caught up in my own delusion of thinking I knew it all, I may have missed out on their efforts. Once I realised that existed a huge gut in my knowledge of life, how best to approach the cannibals, it kept throwing at me. I set off on a journey to find the answers through research and soul-seeking, and by observing the women I loved and respected, as I tried to avail the woman I should be. My next exploration was to compile and share the information I discovered with you. I learned there are certain tools that every woman requires to get in a comfortable and fulfilling place in life. These tools will assist in the development of key qualities I refer to in Chapter 1, define, Definition of Womanhood. As you face your storms in life, your qualities will enable you to become stronger, more graceful, more and a beautiful woman. Once upon, one upon you will look with great pride I will share these tools as we go along. They lead me to the answers of many que- my questions. Therefore, will possibly lead you to the answers to yours. I pray as you read, you will be inspired and enlightened with change in the pre- pre- perspective of the way you view womanhood. This will help you, the outer and in you, to grow and develop spiritually, emotionally, physically, so that you may become a pillar and source of strength of yourself and others around you. I hope you realise by embracing, accepting and strengthening that who you are, you can transcend to far more than what meets the eyes, thus realising your purpose. I pray that your journey will be as fulfilling as the original, originally intended by the Creator as your tradition to womanhood, being better equipped to handle the many curveballs that life throws. Note, being equipped doesn't mean you'll make, you won't you will not make mistakes or unwise choices. Simply means you recover in time. You're shorter. You're responsibly smarter. You will be less likely to make the same mistakes over and over again. 
as I and many women continue to do. Nothing of a great significance happens overnight. It may or may not have heard a saying, Rome wasn't built in a day. Rome was considered one of the greatest cities ever built. The same principle applies to our lives. If you want to be the greatest and best we can, we cannot reasonably expect everything to fall in place overnight. It takes time and effort to achieve the best for everything and everyone. The effort is required. It's not just one-off. It's a learning curve. It involves identifying, identifying negative habits and replacing them with positive ones. Process on way forward, bring being the best you can be in itself is a journey hopefully lead to a complete whole you. Every journey begins with a single step, ends only if you go to a distance. Whatever you will run, ride or fly, you may must go the distance. Whatever you whatever your journey will make sense in the end is entirely dependent on the decisions and choices you make along the way. Chapter one the qualities representative of a woman. The word womanhood is defined as a star state of quality of being a woman and womanly, and having a consistent of qualities thought to be appropriate or representative of a woman. Freedictionary.com. As a young girl, I can't wait to be a woman. In my mind, this meant being beautiful, wearing makeup, high heels, pretty clothes, having a husband, having making babies. This is all. That was visible, hence all appeared to be womanhood. I remained none the wiser for a long time. After a few slaps and kicks from life, I finally woke up to the fact it's much more than being a woman than appears on the surface, as highlighted in the definition above so accurately. There are certain qualities that are representative or appropriate to those who enter womanhood. I have also discovered, based on my encounters, that reading the Bible is a great source of knowledge and guidance in my life. Therefore, I seek firsthand the words of wisdom and its impulse. I often pray for divine revelations about things I need to know and the critical life lessons that are necessary for me to learn to get through life of ease. When you seek the truth, it's often based. best you seek it yourself by going to original source. The cost, as they say, can be very high. One day I was browsing this book of Proverbs 31.10-31 and came across what I consider to be the most profound and in-depth description of a woman who's entered in womanhood. I realised I seek what I seek to be I have seen and seen in my grandmother is what the Bible deems a virtuous woman. Who and what is a virtuous woman? According to Proverbs 31, you will find a virtuous woman for prices far above rubles. A heart of a woman, a husband, safely trusts in her. She works willingly with her hands. She is like a merchant ship. She brings the food from afar. She considers her field and buys it. The fruits of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She looks well to the, to the way of her household, eats not the bread of idleness. She stretches her hands to the poor. Yea, she reaches full for hands to needy, strength for honour, her clothing in her tongue, and law kindness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, be praised. He praised her. Favour, favour is deceitful. 
for beauty is vain, but a woman that fears the God, Lord should be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands. Let her work, her own works praise her in the gates. A well-defined woman is invaluable. She is well-trusted and greatly loved by those around her, closest to her. Her worth is recognised and trust granted to her is inherent naturally in the love given to her. Her truth is unquestionable. Her integrity is never compromised. Virtuous woman, virtuous woman is not, cannot be lazy. She recognises her responsibility work, provides herself, those that depend on her. She does not take the way, easy way out. She does not depend on anything to provide her, for her. She's independent and able to take care of herself and her loved ones. If need arises, a virtuous woman recognises opportunities and capitalises on them. She's productive. She recognises the study of time and makes great use of it. She is kind. She is giving. She knows that her blessing men little unless she shares them with those who may be less fortunate. She's loving. She takes great pride in know in know her in how she prevents herself. She dresses and carries herself very respectfully. Her physical form, her body is taken care of. She also recognises value of words, takes responsibility for them. She is decent and highly principled. She knows who she is and what she stands for. She's deemed a good woman, is loved and blessed by all. I like Pastor D. E. V. Duncan's spin on this. His excellent book, Nicovia, God called her help, Adam called a woman. He suggests that an archive achievement of these qualities is more apparent as she matures, more so in the final stage of womanhood, after she's fulfilled a worldly domestic mandate, purpose. Imagine the day when your men and work children, seeing our virtue rise up, praise us and bless us because we have successfully passed to them the best of us. Equally, a woman has matured into a woman, recognised her mortality, is conscious of her power, that far sees that of a world, its creator, that he should be praised, magnified and uplifted. As such, the blessings of the power and rules of the created universe, God, surrounds her. Youth can be sometimes disguised more mortality as almost imaginary. It's important, therefore, we become and remain conscious of the fact we are mere mortals. The years are fleeting and an end comes abruptly. We must never fall, fail to ask the questions of ourselves and challenge our soul in preparation for something that can be missed And we are, if we are unconscious of it. Over years, I have lost many of my colleagues and relatives. This is has brought me the reality home to me. A virtuous woman is not vain. Her value is in her inner beauty. This pours out into her physical form. Thus she is beautiful inside and out. She also knows her worth. She loves herself because she is able to see her fruits, accomplishments, true potential and value. Accomplishments. Is not limited to tangible and visible things such as successful career or money. It's also measured by other achievements, such as lives that are touched positively, including their own a result of her efforts. My experiences have led me to realise about have led me to realise that one balanced woman is fine by virtues. 
It's realising myself for her virtues that she's able to fulfil her purpose, become a greater self. Good news for us is, is that this woman was not born this way. She no, no get, grows in the role. For this reason, we transition through various stages until we reach at a halt. We cannot walk before we creep. We cannot creep before we carried. Life is a journey that once completed to bring wisdom, insight and wholeness. If, it's, if we succeed in entering the final stage of a one place, still vibrant, still full of life and wisdom, we shared and parted in those greater no, uh, of letter knowledge and experience we've entered womanhood. Contrary to what we think, the fact you can bear physical traits of woman does not mean you have entered womanhood. It takes a conscious effort and time vested in developing yourself to get there. It's imperative... Therefore, that you have a vision of who you want to become or realise throughout who you life. Become or realise throughout your life. This vision will determine who you grow into and and will set the tone for the decisions you make, decisions of whether you'll fulfil your destiny. We're not told, but we also determined our destiny by choices we make along the way. Therefore, Seek always to find your virtue and realise your best self. Transitioning into womanhood, journey of self-realisation by Cosicia Matthews is available on Kindle at $3.51 or paperback $10. Alicia DiCarlio, Cat Atonic, a novel. One, I'm so happy because today I found my friends. They're in my head. Nirvana, Lithium. Day 722. A mess of brunette hair concealed an unvaried expression, partly directly down to the centre, as framed a pair of hollow sunken cheeks. The oily looks gingerly hugged the woman's chest, several strands flanning. Outward in an array of split ends, as two fingers pried a stayed piece from her eyes, eyelashes briskly battered, and sudden absence of the intrusion. Hazel orbs refocusing on the yellowed pages of the written novel, held between bony fingers as hair rotated back into place. She stretched out against the wall, several stiff bones cracking up the length of her back as she brought her knees to her chest. Minuscule pieces of dirt orally shifted beneath her weight, several microscopic grains easing into the fabric of her sock, courtesy of the hole, hovering her big toe. There were whispers today among the usual timid crowd, whispers of a certain freak, as they called him. A woman had no knowledge of such a particular, peculiar individual, although Television was non-existent within these walls. Word of the outside world travelled fast, courtesy of some loud-mouthed nurses up on level three. I heard that switch is coming today. A beautiful face buried beneath a thick, curly mane confidently announced, dark gaze mopefully flickering in the corner girl's direction. The gossiper was known as Nelia, a 22-year-old with abundance of new naturally curly hair, smooth and smooth, orange olive skin. She apparently pled guilty under the insanity defence 
and a sentence of 20 years in a loony bin. Word on the block was that she beat her brother with a baseball bat of his stolen diary. However, the table... However, the tale couldn't possibly be true, as she had to be, have done something dreadfully worse to end up in a place like this. Two. Alicia... Oh. Alicia de Carlio. A place like this, this place is a place like... Where you... Where you hear that? Where where you hear that from? Corey injected, collar eyes widened curiously, as she threaded her fingers through her knotted locks. She leaned forward, her metal feet on a chair, noisily sliding against the floor. Several onlookers glanced upwards through the hooded eyelids. Nurse Jackie, Nevadi dryly explained, avoiding the hardened glare of the woman in the corner of the deteriorating copy of sense and sensibility, held tightly in her clutch. Her nails were clipped and uneven, thick moulds of black dirt present beneath the white nail as her hazel gaze lay transfixed on the gossipy woman. Apparently, I caught the the mute's attention. Nigley sniggered through her half-sealed lips. Cora glanced curiously over her shoulder, chapped lips curling into a devilish smirk as she viewed the woman's stone-cold expression. I wonder what he looks like, Kara wondered, recollecting a gaze of a stiff Navarri as she attempted to visualise the possible appearance of the tourist villain. Do you think he's cute? Maybe, the olive-skinned girl gloated. I wonder if they make a big deal about his arrival. I mean, he's a serial killer after all. And all. Oh, so they say. Nardi added, Trying minusly on her bottom lip as the hazel eyes veered away from her rigid frame, returning to the pretty print embedded upon the aging pages. The substantial steel doors opposite the trio swung widely open, revealing a scarlet woman, scarlet cheeked woman, her mid thirties, precisely dyed platinum blonde hair, and bright cobalt eyes. A small single nail sat between rows of teeth, widened gaze, focusing on a woman, her faded brunette looks, locks and holy socks in the left corner of the rec room. The rec room was discreetly sized, currently filled with 36 or so slightly calm and sedated individuals, all of whom were given four hours of socialisation time in his very room per day, a decent escape from the confinement of the concrete cells. Matted furniture littered a heavy stained concrete floor, a tri cushion couch, matching love seat, and correct level stair, retrospectively. Most of the material on the sofas lay severely torn, resulting in insistent picking of severed fabric on them by a cess man named Lloyd. Free cacatonic. Sometimes Lloyd would be caught wearing the bright white stuffing for the material, rigid fingers, delicately slipping the object into his mouth as it disappeared from sight. Till later that night, or the following morning, of course, by Cunningham, where it had been employed for this time nursing staff for three consecutive years, and she taken quite a liking to the mute girl, the furthermost 
furthermost corner. Though she knew the scraggy-haired woman for nearly two whole years, she didn't have a single clue what her voice actually sounded like. Simple. Simply put, the woman did not speak. Nurse Bray unpigmented shoes shuffled against the concrete, darting in the direction of the woman clutching a bulk as she fell to her knees before her. Adeline, Nurse Bray hissed through her gritted teeth, her dainty fingers abruptly claiming her clothed knee. Adeline's emotions, Nurse's eyes flickered upwards, meeting Nurse Bray's frantic expression as she lowered the book from her nose. It's, um... Nurse Bray heavily stuttered, glancing over her shoulder to view the whiskering girls seated, seated several feet away from her above, hastily continuing with For your ba- time for your bath. A set of non existent brows raised in a ply, the pages gliding closed on Annabelle's thumb, as she served Nurse Bray's partic- peculiar stance, particularly Annabelle Annabelle Annab- Annadale did not receive a bath until after supper, at the very time that Nellie, Cora, and Jasmine received theirs. Is it an early bath? Bray added, sensing Annadale's confusion as he took aimlessly her impossibly skinny forearm. By yourself, too. You don't have to deal with Jasmine's annoying banter. Come on, she urged, lanking Annadale into a standing position. She inaudibly urged Annadale to slip into her sleek, inky black combat boots, the whole shoes disappearing from sight. The silent woman tightly clutched her favourite novel to her chest, the rolled sleeves of her black and white striped trousers, eased down the length of her unshaven legs, delicately kissing the leather of her boots. She took Nurse Bray's hand in hers and headed in the direction of his head. Hefty steel doors, Nanny and Cora's eyes contorted into tight slits at the sight of the moot. Prompting is, is prompting exiting the rec room. Following closely to on Nurse's Bray's heel. What's going on, Nibby? Lonely I murmured a sceptical expression overcoming her features as Cora merely shrugged. It's best if you don't pry in regard to Arendelle Lurch. After all, the woman was undoubtedly psychotic, or well, so it seemed. The washroom was several doors down from the rec room, complemented with six claw foot porcelain tubs nailed firmly into the concrete floors. A trio of tubs claimed either side of the room, retrospectively. The most interesting aspect of the wide, bland and colourless room, however, was a shower, or it could, if it could even be called that. Located on the very back wall, directly between the rows of tubs, they had a broad, open cubicle with zero privacy and faded, multi-hued tiles, some cracked and some chipped. Instead of walls, a single pole sat on either side of the shower, Full of grimy fingerprints. Arundel glanced in their sprays in glance in their sprays direction. Pointed pouted bottom lip tugged tightly between the teeth. The spray motioned the direction to the tub nearest the shower on the right side. Her fingers lacing around Annadale's 
large tarp which he mentioned for her to remove it. Why am I the only one taking a bath? A perplexed expression overcame Adele's slow-cooked features. Droopy eyes settled upon the vacant tub as she tugged the striped jumpsuit top from her tail so. She hadn't worn a bra today to that was a necessary was an was a necessary unusual for a woman. The bothersome material nearly suffocates her breasts, even gave her back aches. Unlike the typical orange jumpsuits prisoners wore, parents that Steel water centurion was supplied with two piece assemblies layered with faded blackish grey and white stripes. Hovering Annadale's left breast was her patient number, sewn precisely into the fabric with an inky thread. Patient 4210. Annadale now urged, trembling fingers lacing around the directive metal taps at the water on as he emerged from the facet. You need to hurry up and get in the tub, sweetie. I think you're got bringing in someone for the a cleansing. Oh, that's why she brought me here. Arundel nodded, lips clip, cl- curling in a smirk as she shuffled out of her clothing, discarding them in a heap along the, with her unlaced boots and warm, the, the warm bulk of the foot of the half-hub, half-full tub. Just as the silent woman settled into the lukewarm water, a bountiful vest concealed by the deeply filled basin and influx of slamming doors, and loud shouts suddenly emerged. Nurse Brave, that had an inconsiderable squeak, falling to her knees behind the tub as she squeezed a bit too much shampoo into her palm. Her pulse quickened beneath her ribcage, thumping quickly into her throat, and the commotion increased. Arundel's gaze lay glued upon the broad open doorway, brows cocked in curiosity as no spray's fingers threaded into her tangled locks, bashes and soaping her skull as she let out a muted sigh of relief at the feel. The woman at see the door at bath time, peculiar maybe, inappropriate and completely in morbid way, reminded her of bath time as a child. Only these baths were given were present to others, males and females intermixed at still water. Nothing was private. Piece of shit, a firm voice announced, slightly muffled by the concrete walls as a sink sonnet heavy footed steps appeared. Nurse Bray's nails in, unintentionally dug into the thick, thick skin around her scalp, prompting a petite squeak to emerge from the shy woman's mouth as Bray spluttered a series of apologies immediately following. The woman's heart was beating so rapidly she feared she might burst out of her chest. Suddenly, five so-called armed men entered the premises, failing to even glance at Bray in Andrew's direction as he urged their prey into the cleansing chamber. Nurse Bray oddly gulped, her thick, erratic breaths showering a bell's neck as the goosebumps instinctively arose at a mixture of situation and sensation. Her stooping wet hands emerged from the basin, fingers curling from the circular sides of the tub as she agonizingly squeezed. Two men ushered a strange individual into a nearly vacant room, a lanky figure with wide, broad figure shoulders that lay hunched as he walked unkempt. Chestnut hued curls concealed his vision, several ringlets clinging to the sweat present in his glistening neck. The guard spat obscenities in his direction. His sunken expressions, pearl and oily, deep, dark bags, cloaking, 
their sepulchral skin beneath his drooping eyes. As a gruesome deformity cloaked half his complexion, the man, however, remained deathly silent towards the gods, heed his insults. No spray continued to minusly massage the shampoo into Adele's salty hair. Utterly transfixed at the scene as he intent, intently observed the woman, man in red, who was currently being led in the direction of the shower. Arendelle's painfully gulped, eyelids squeezing shut as she quickly reminisced on the first day at Stillwater, the experience of the shower, the crimson, swollen welts of her arms and legs, took 15 days to eventually dissipate. A strange man was dressed in abundance of black and white, Nice pair of inky pinstripe slacks claimed his legs, complemented by a crimson hued dress shirt, of accessorized by a frown provision of miscellaneous designs. The wrinkled sleeves lay dowly rolled on the elbows, thick fabric contorted only in folds as a material loosely clung to his skin. A sleek black tie claimed his neck. It was currently entangled between the fingers of a considerably pissed-off guard as he hastily tore it off. Arendelle's knuckles flushed a deathly white hue, white due to her death grip on porcelain eyes with wild horror as she saw the scene unfold. Nurse Bray still managed to mash her, her newly raw sculpt with shampoo, drifting into temporary trance as she, too, couldn't seem to tear her gaze away. Her lips suddenly met Arendelle's ear, prompting the woman to impulsively flinch a sudden sensation of soothing water shifted against an obs- obscene jerk. Several droplets that eased from their su- over the side, splattering the floor of varying shapes as Bray whispered a haunting confirmation into Arendelle's ear, switch. An immediate shiver overcame the rigid woman's every limb as her eyes remained unblinking as she carefully studied the man in red as the guards falsely thrust him into position. Shallow breaths emerged from an anxious Adele as the guards aggressively yanked, switched his arms in the direction of the scuffed silver holes, latching one end to a pair of cuffs around the pole, whereas the other half claimed the man's scarlet tainted wrist. By the looks of it, the guards had applied the cuffs extremely tight, as clear intent indents appeared over the flesh. Andale winced at the sight, hazel gaze flickering in the direction of, of her wrist as she squeezed the porcelain between clammy fingers. The man switched, apparently, laced his crimson riddled fingers around the cold poles, the thick sunnies of the metal cuffs clinging against the surface sent violent shivers down the length of Arendelle's spine as if physically twitched. Nurse Bray realised her blatant reaction, realised the blatant reactions, similar shivers. I have been reading extracts from the following book. Catatonic by Alicia DiCarlio Available on Amazon.com for $16.95 
a highly recommended book from the from the whole Zoom Art Podcast Show. Child in Time, winner of the 2016 Arthur C. Clarke Award by Adrian Trelacusica. Chapter 1, Genesis 1 of 1, Just a Barrel Monkeys. There were no windows in the brain to facility rotation meant but the outside was always down, underfoot, out of mind. The Wall Streets held a pleasant fiction, a positive view of the world below that ignored the constant spin, showing the planet a hanging strangely still off of space, green marble to match the blue marble of the home, twenty light years away. Earth had been green in its heyday, though the colours have faded since. Perhaps never as green as a beautiful crafted world through though where even the ocean's glittery emerald with a planktonian maintaining the oxygen balance within its atmosphere how delicate and how many-sided was the task of building a living monument that would remain stable for geological ages to come it had no officially conferred name beyond its astronomical destination although there was a strong vote for Semelia among some of the less imaginative crew members. <coughs> Dr. Alien Kern now looked upon it and thought of Kern's world. Her project, her dream, her planet, first of many, she decided. This is the future. This is where mankind takes its next step, great step. This is where we, we become gods. This is the future, she said aloud. Her voice could would all sound in every crew member's Audrey Centre, all 19 of them. The 15 were right there, control hub of her, not the true hub, of course, the gravity-denuded axle about which they revolved. That was the power and processing and their payload in load. This is where mankind takes its great next great step. Her speech had taken more than a time than her technical details over the last two days. She almost went on with the line about them becoming guards, but that was but that was for her only far too controversial, given the non ultra nurture clowns back home. Enough of a stink. Because of the projects like hers already oh, oh, oh the differences between current earth factions went deeper. Far deeper, social economic or simply us and them, the Kern had got the brain launched all those years ago against mounting opposition. By now the whole dear idea had become a kind of scapegoat to visions of the human race. Bickering primates, a lot of them. Progress is what matters. Fulfilling potential humanity. All other life. And all of all other life. She'd always been one of the fierce opponents to growing conservationist backlash. Most keenly exemplified by the non-ultra nature terrorists. If they had their white way, we'd end up back in the caves, back in the trees. The whole point of civilization is so it succeeds the limits of nature. You tedious little primates. We stand on each other's shoulders, of course, the proper line. That of the accepted scientific community was on the shoulders of giants. She had not got to where she was by bowing the knee to the 
past generations, midgets, lots of midgets, she thought, and then she calmly keep back the pulling giggle, pulling giggle on the shoulders of monkeys. And I thought, as they thought from her, one's wall screen and then mind's eye hubs displayed as, as stomatic as a brine too for all of them. She wanted to direct their attention, lead them along and with her towards a proper application of uh, sorry, their triumph. There the needle of the central court was circled by the ring of life and sciences that was a tourist shaped world. And at one end of the cause and the holy bulge of the sentry pod, soon to be cast adrift to become the universal loneliness and longest research post. The opposite of the needle sported a barrel, a flask contains monkeys and a future respectively. Particularly, I'd like to thank the engineering teams under Drs. Fernanen and Midi for their tireless work in formatting. And she also, and she also know, said, said, Kernswell without meaning to, our subject planet to provide a safe and nurturing environment for our great project. Fennan and Medi were well in their way, were well on their way back to Earth. Their course, their 15-year work completed, their 30-year journey, return journey began. It was all stage setting, though, to make way for Kern for a dream. We are, I am. That's all this work is for. A journey of 20 light years home, whilst 30 years dragged by on Earth. A 220 will pass from Fallin and Medi in their cold coffins. For them, their voyage is always as fast as light. What wonders we can start to accomplish. From Earth's point, the engines to accelerate to most the speed of light with no more than pedestrian tools to move her about a universe that the Earth's biosphere was about to inherit because humanity may be fragile in, the, in ways we cannot imagine. So we cast our net wide and even wider. Human history is balanced on a knife edge where many of ignorance, prejudice, superstition, desperate striving and brought them to last to, the, to this. The human, uh, humankind could get, beget new sets of life in its own image. Humanity would no longer be alone. Even the unthinkable far future, where Earth itself had fallen in fire, dust, there would be a legacy spreading across the stars, an infinite and spanning variety, Earth-born, life-diverse enough to survive any reverse of fortune to the death of the whole universe, perhaps even beyond that. Even if you die, we will live on in our children, like the nuns preach their dismal all eggs in one basket creed, human priority and supremacy. She thought, we will, we will not, we will out-evolve them, we will leave them behind. This is be the first of thousand worlds we will give life to, for we are gods, we are lonely, we, we, so we shall create back home things are tough. Or so the twenty old images indicated, and Marion skimmed dispassionately over the riots, the furious debates and demonstrations of violence. Things only how did we get so far? So many falls in the gene pool, and on uh, ultra nature lobby, but only in the most extreme of a certain correlation of home and political fractions, the conservative, the philosophical, 
and even the die-hard religious, who looked at the progress and said that enough was enough, who fought tooth and nail against further engineering of the Hinean genome, against removal limits on AI, against the program that ended the zone. You get the, and you get they're losing. The transforming would soon be going on elsewhere. Kernsville was just as just one of the many planets receiving the attentions of people like Fan and Medi, transformed from hospitable chemical rocks, Earth-like, only to an approximate size and distance of the sun, to balance ecosystems that Kern could have walked on without a suit in only minor discomfort. After monkeys been delivered and essentially pod detached to monitor them, those other gems were her attention would next be drawn. We will see the universe with all the wonders of the earth. In her speech, at which he was barely paying attention, she mouldered down lists of other names from here at home. The person she really wanted to thank was herself. She fought for this. She engineered longevity, allowing him to carry the debate across several human natural human lifetimes. She had clashed in the finances rooms, laboratories, at the academic sentences, and mass entertainment fees just to make this happen. I have done this. With all your hands I have built. With your, with your eyes I have measured. But mine is mine alone. Her mouth continued long to prepare course. The words boring her even more than they would assume bored her listeners. The real Walsh's was a speech. We'll receive it 20 years' time, a fully confirmation back home the way things are due to her. Her mind touched base with the brin tooth hub. The confirmed barrel systems are pinged into a relay link with a facility control computer. It is a check that had become a nervous habit of late. Without tolerance, it, it remained implied, and she, she probed behind the bland summary. You could see precise readouts of learning craft. It is state of readiness, even down to its vital signs, with 10,000 strong primate Krogo, the chosen who would inherit, if not the Earth, at least this planet, whatever it would be called, whatever they eventually call it. Once the uplift of Novavirus had taken them far along the developmental road, Biotex estimated that more mere 30 or 40 monkey generations would bring them to the stage when they might make contact with SentryBot and its lone human incumbent. Along the barrel, side of the barrel was a flask, the delivery system of virus that would accelerate the monkeys along the way. They would stride in a mere century or two across physical, mental distances that would have taken humanity millions of ye- hostile years. No other group of people to thank. She, she, for her, she, she herself was no biotech statistics. She has seen specs and speculations through its expert system and examined it. The theory surmised it in terms that she, mere polymath genius, would understood, understand. The virus was clearly an impressive piece of work. As far as she could grasp, it affected individuals that would produce offspring, moonlighted in a number of useful ways, greater brain size and cluster, complexity, greater body size to accommodate it, more flexible behavioural baths, swifter learning. The virus will be recognised 
would even recognise the, pre- the presence of infection in other individuals on the same species. It promotes selecting breeding. The best of the best given birth to even better. It was a whole future in a microscopic shell, almost as smart in a single-minded little way as the creature that it would be improving. It would be intact with a post-gemone. A low, deep level would replicate with its cells like a new overgrown dell, passing on the host's offspring to the entire species was subject to benevolent contracting. No matter how many change the monkeys underwent, the virus would adapt and adjust to whatever genome it was partnered with, whatever it inherited, until some, if something been engineered that, looked, that could take its creatures in the uh, could look at his creature's eye and understand. She sold it to the people back home by describing how godless would reach the planet, then describing them from the stars like dentists to meet their new people. Instead of a harsh, untamed world, a race of unlifted sedent aids and serpents would welcome their makers. That was what, what she had told the ballroom and the committee back on Earth. But she never been a point of the exercise for her. The monkeys were the point, and they were, they, that's what they would come, would come, would come. This is one of the things with nuns most nice and incensed about. They shouted about making super beings out of mere beasts. In fact, in truth, all small children is sharing they objected to. Only children humanity craved the sole attention of the universe like so many other projects hosted as a political issue, a virus development had been fraught with protests, subcharge, terrorism, murder, and yet we triumphed over on the base natural at last. Nature at last, current reflective satisfaction. Of course, there had been a tiny grain of truth and insults and nuns threw it her way, because she didn't care about colonists and non-imperialistic dreams of her fellows. She wanted to make a new life, in her, in her image, as much as in humanity, she wanted to know what might evolve, what society, what understandings, when her monkeys were left to their own de- similar devices to Anna Kern. This was a price, her reward for exercising a genius, for the good of the human race. The experiment is to plenty what if her efforts would open up a string of powerful worlds. But price was that the firstborn would be hers, home of a new made people. She was aware of expectant silence and realised she got got to the end of speech. Now everyone thought she was adding gracious suspense to a moment that needed no guiding. Mr Sterling, are you a physician? she asked on the open channel. For everyone's benefit, Sterling was a volunteer. The man was going to leave behind. The man he was going to leave behind, he would orbit the planet size of the planetary. As long as he has turned, locked in cold, deep, cold, deep sleep, till the time came for him to become mentor to new race ascendant primates. She almost envied him, for he would see and hear and experience things that no other human ever had. He would be the new hammerman, the monkey guard. Almost envied, but in the end, Kern rather preferred be departing under, to undertake another, other projects. Let, let, let others have become gods and mere single worlds. She herself would stride as stars lead out the Prohafrian. I'm not in position, no. Apparently he left it. 
he felt that he was also deserving a wider audience because he had broadcast it on a great general channel. Kern felt a stab of annoyance. I cannot physically do anything myself. Why is it that never Peter so often failed to meet my standards when I'm lying them? It's done him alone, she said. She said, perhaps you would explain why. I'm hoping to be able to say a few words, Dr. Kern. It would be his last contact and his speech with his species for a long time. She knew it would seem appropriate he could make a good showing, but he would only add to a legend. She held re- held ready on the master cons, though, though setting, uh, him, setting on him on a few seconds delay, just in case he might remunerate or start something, saying something inappropriate. This is a turning point in human history, turning voice always slightly mournful, came to her when she threw her, threw her to everyone else. His image was in his mind's eyes, eye hub with, with the collar of his bright orange environment suit down up to his chin. I had to think long and hard before committing myself, myself to this, this, of course. You can imagine, but some things are too important. Sometimes you can, you just have to do the right thing. Whatever the cost, Ken nodded, please, what, you, what was that? Be good and open up soon, Sterling, son of your legacy to build. Some of us are legacy to build. We have all so done, come so far. Still, we fall into the oldest areas. Sterling continued doggedly. We're sitting, standing here, the universe on grass, instead of furthering with our own destinies, we can thrive with our own obsolence. Her, her appearance was drifted a little. By the time she realised what he said, the words had passed on to the crew. She registered a sunny murmur to contented messages between them, and even spoke simple spoken words, which between them the closest to her. Dr. mentioned meanwhile, Sent an alert to another, cha- another channel. Why is Sterling in the, in the Indian Corps? Sterling c- could not be in the Indian Corps with the needle. Sterling should be in the century pod, ready to take his place in the environment. All of it in history. She cut off Sterling from the crew and sent him an angry demand to know what he thought he was doing. To know what he thought he was doing. For a moment, his avatar started stared at her in a visual field. It lip-synced to, to his voice. You have to be stopped, Dr. Kern. You and all your kind, your new, new humans, new machines, new species. If you succeed here, there'll be other, there will be other wills. And you said it yourself. I know that you're transforming them even now. It's day it ends here. Now ultraviolet, ultra-nature, no greater than heart, nature. He wasted vital moments of potential discussion, resulting to personal abuse, and he spoke again. I'll cut off, Doctor. Do the same to, to me, if you wish. But for me now, I'm going to speak, and you don't, you don't get to interrupt me. She's trying to override him, hunting through the, the computer's control systems to find out what he had done. But he locked her out, ignorantly and selectively. A whole area of felicity systems that just did not appear in her mental schematic when she quizzed the computer about them. 
refused to acknowledge her existence. None of them was mentioned critical. Not the barrel, not the flask, not even the sentry pod. Therefore, none were in the systems. She'd been obsessed, checking checking it every day. Not mission critical, perhaps, but facility critical. Dis- he's disabled the reactor self, these Mickey reported. What's going on? Why is he in the engine core at all? Alarm! But not outright panic, which was a good finger in the air for the mood of the crew all around. He's in the engine room core because he's deaf, the instant, a total, therefore probably painless, Kernel surmise. She is already moving up to the surprise of the others. She is heading up, climbing into the access shaft, a led to slender central pylon station, heading along from the outer floor that remained, down only so long as she was close to it, climbing out of the supposed gravity well towards the long needle that lay all round. There was a flurry of increasing concerned voices, voices called out to heels, some then followed her. She knew. Sterling was continually blithing. This is not the beginning, not even the beginning, Dr. Kern. His tone was relentlessly deferential. Even in rebellion, back home. It was already started back home. It is probably already over. In another few years, maybe, you'll hear Earth and our future been taken back from the humans. No lip-lifted monkeys, Dr. Kern. No godlike computers. No freak shows of human form. We have the universe to ourselves. We, as we intended, as we always, our destiny. On all the colonies in the solar system, out, out, our agents will have made their move. We are majority, you understand, Dr. Kern. She was lighter and lighter, holding herself towards uh, up and coming uh, in. She knew she would be cursing Sterling, but she was, that was the point. She could, if he could not never, that was the point, if he could never hear her. It's not such a long way to the weightness of the needle's hollow interior. She had her choice then, either towards the engine core, where Sterling was no doubt taking steps to ensure he would not be stirred, or anyway, away, away in the final, very final sense. She had override everything steering had done. She had full confidence in the severity of her abilities. It would take time, though, to have cast herself up the way down to the needle, towards Sterling and his, and his traps. She locked barrels. Even time would be something she could not have the benefit of. And if the powers that be refuse us, Dr. Kern, said the hateful voice continued in her ear, then we will fight. We shall wrest mankind's destiny back by force. Then we shall... She barely took in what he was saying, but a cold sense of fear was creeping into her mind. Not from the danger to her, the blind too, but what, what was he saying about Earth and the colonies of war? Possible, not even the nuns. But it, it was true. There had been some instant assassinations. Riots, bombs, the whole Europa base had been compromised. The nuns were splitting into the immeasurable storm of manifest destiny. Though she had always believed that such outbursts represented large throes of humanity under evolvers, she was now heading the only way, other way, distancing herself from the engine core, as though a brine had been space, 
enough space between within it for her to escape with the coming blast. She was utterly rational, however. She knew exactly what was coming. Ahead of her was a circular portal to a centipod. Only seeing as she did realise the same part of her mind, the part she always relied on, its finesse, that were complex and congregations, had already fully inserted the current situation, discerned the moan slim purple way out. This was where studying was supposed to do. This was the slow boat to the future that he, saying timeline, would have been would have been piloting. Now she ordered the door to open, relieved the dock to discover this is one piece of equipment which actually was actually his particular business. Seemed to have remained free of meddling studying meddling. First version came for which she thought was the last one. A brain cracked and creaked lurched around her, but the engine core remained stable, as it ever, ever, ever evidenced by the fact that she herself had not been dis- disintegrated. She turned back into the wild wind and whirl of frantic messaging between crew. Sailing had rigged the escape pods. He didn't ha- want anyone avoiding the fate he had discerned himself for. Discerned for himself. Had he, he sometimes, he had somehow forgot, forgot in the sentry pod. The detonating pods would push Brian too out of the position, drifting, each drifting either towards the planet or off in the line. She had to clear, get clear. The door opened to no command. She had essentially have run a diagnostic on the release system. There's a little space inside, just a little deep, sleep coffin. Don't think of it, coffin, and turn my of associated systems. The whole was crewing her. She was not a right person, nor was she wearing the proper gear for prolonged cold sleep. I didn't intend to be there here for centuries, just enough to ride it out. She swiftly overread its quibbles. And by the time the diagnosis had pointed pointed studies tampering on another identification by the process of elimination, these parts of the of the the release process have been erased from its direct diagnosis. Sounds from the outside suggested the best course of action was order the door and close, then lock the systems so that nobody outside could intrude on her. She climbed in the dark, cold sleep tank around the time the banging started. Those others of the crew had been come to the same realisation as her, but slow but slightly later. She blocked out their messaging. She blocked out Sterling too, who was obviously not going to tell her anything useful now. It's better if she didn't have to share her head with anyone and set the hub control systems. She had no idea how much time she had, how, she, how she'd worked with trademark balance of speed and care, and got her where she was now, got me leading the brand to facility, got me here in the sentry pod, what a clever doom monkey I am. A muffled banging was more insistent, but the pod only had room for one. A heart had always been hard, but he found that she had hardened it still. Further, not to think of those whose names and faces, her loyal colleagues, that she and Sterling between them were condemning the supposed end. Which, is, which I myself not escaped, reminded herself, and, and she had. Then she had it. A work through Drury rigged release path avoided Sterling's ghost system.
ghost systems. Would it work? She was a veteran of a dry run. Nor she had any options. Nor any suggestion. She suspected any time. Release, she ordered. Hub then shouted down all the different ways it was programmed to ask, Are you sure? Until she felt a movement, a mechanism around her. When she wanted, then she wanted her to go, took her to go into deep, sleep, cold sleep immediately, as it as it had been planned. But she made it wait. Uh, wait. If the captain was going down with a ship, she would be last. Watch it to mines for distance. How much for distance would that need? They were there. They they were by then seven thousand messages clamouring for attention. Every member of the crew wanted to talk to her, but he had nothing to say to any of them. The sentry pointed with no windows either. She had wanted it. Could have been shown her the hub display of the valley. Receding Bryn too, as little capsule of life fell into its prearranged orbit. Now she turned to the brilliant systems on the internal column, boosted by the barrel system, sentry barrel, and instructed, launch the barrel. She wondered if it was a poor thing, but in the respect, it had probably been Sterling's first and more carefully before Dars, subtle enough to slip in all checks because of the, because of the actual mechanical release the flask plaque the barrel was virtually beneath notice on the shoulders of others she said she had had to stop to think about those beneath her in the pyramid of achievement when the lowest of them had to agree to bear her weight or all of it would come falling down She saw the flare, flare, not even in mind's eye, but through the brief flower of damage bolts that were in two computers. As she, as all, all of her colleagues and facilities and Sterling Traitor, all of her work becoming abruptly no more than a rapidly disassociated cloud of fragments of ghost breath of dissipating organ, atmosphere with some unrecognisable organic remains. Current courses stabilised. She had been inspecting the great shockwave, but Centripod was already far enough away, and the brain to energy and matter was so minuscule compared to the distance it was evolved, and barely any adjustment was required to ensure the Centripod remained within its programmed orbit. Show me, she braced herself to the image, but really, it, as it moved, this removed, it seemed almost nothing. A flash, a tiny but burned boat of all her dears and friends. In the final analysis, had been more, nothing more than a barrel over of old monkeys, after all. But his distance against the vast and the heedless background of everything else, it's hard to see why any of it even mattered at all. Death fresh beacons, she ordered, because they would need to know on earth what happened. They had to know they might come and collect her like wake her like stupid beauty. After all, she was Dr. Gunn. She was the future of the human race right there. Here, they needed her. Twenty long years for a signal to reach Earth. Far more than that the rest could come back. Even as best fusion engines of joy to accelerate to the three-quarter light speed. But a frail body could no longer would have survived that, no longer in cold sleep, and more than that. Several hours later, she saw, at the end of it, she saw the barrel hit the atmosphere. 
It was not the planned trajectory to turn for configuration of brain two having sent off a tangent so that it narrowly avoided being held forever in the empty space. Its cargo would not care for in a second in the long run. The barrel burned, streaking like a meteor through the atmosphere of the green world. Somehow, the thought of the intense hit terror, its primary occupants were going must be going through as he died in ignorance of fear and burning touched her more than the death of her fellow humans and wouldn't certainly claim her evidence was he right for the force of habit a redundant professional thoroughness he located the flask watching at the smaller gas there fell from the atmosphere at a greater angle delivering his vital cargo to a well devoid of semblance it intended for we all could always have get to mongrel monkeys. That was a curious mentor, but it made her bail better. The old lift virus would, would look last familiar. The project would survive the treachery and death of its creators. She herself would restore it. Later, listen, listen for a change in the radio signals. Make me when you hear it. Wait me when you hear it, she instructed. Your pod computer was not happy about that. It required some exacting perimeters. <coughs> Came for, for over the developments back home she might want to put a praise of. Listening all of the law was tantamount to trying to separate the future. They gave, they gave me options. Her half streamed of possibilities. Her pod computer was a sophisticated piece of engineering, complex enough to be feigned silence. Silence if it's not quite upon, quite owned to it. Upload facilities, she noted. I was not the most pleasant fault in the world, but she's not always saying how much easier life would be. She'd arrange herself, everything herself. Pod could upload an image of sculptures in itself, a bet an imperfect copy. It could, it could, it, it would form a current computer or composite to be able to react external external events and simulation of her own heart. Best judgment. She scanned for the cravats and notes. Some single, more cutting-edge technology, as they were. Upload facility, you know, I'm not the most pleasant fault in the world. It's not always so much easier life would be. She ranges everything herself. A pod itself upload an image of a conscious itself, about an imperfect copy.
got a loaded image of a conscious of itself, back in perfect cockpit, you form a current computer composite. You'll be able to react to external events in simulation for best judgments. You scan through the cravats and notes, more cutting edge technology are due to be, have been pioneered. Over time, it is predicted that AI network will further incorporate that loaded kernel, such as the composite would be made finer and finer distinctions. Potentially, the end result would be something smarter, more capable, and some simple sum total of human and machine combined. Do it, she instructed, lying back and waiting the pod to begin, scanning her brain. Just let him be quick with the rescue party. One or two, brave little huntress. She's Porter. She's hunting. She's eight millimeters long, but she's a tiger within her tiny world. Fierce and cunning, just like spiders. She is two parts of her body. Her small abdomen holds her book lungs, a bulk of her gut. Her head body is dominated by two huge eyes facing forwards for perfect binocular vision. Beneath a pair of tiny tufts that crown her like horns. She is fuzzy with hair in broken patterns of brown and black. Predators, she looks more dead, leaf than live prey. She wakes below her formal eyes. Her fangs are flanked by limb, like mouth, mouth parts of pems coloured. A startling white, still like a quivering moustache. Sights are named her Portilla labaria, yet another and assuming species of jumping spider. Her attention is fixed to another spider at home in its web. This is Scolius Puzzia, long-limbed, a hunchbacked, and able to spit toxic webbing. Scotless specialises in catching, eating jumping spiders like Portra. Portra specialises in eating spider, eating spiders, most of whom are larger and stronger than she. Her eyes are remarkable. The visual accessory of primate peers out from pin, those pinhead sides, discs, affectable chambers behind them, piercing together and whirled behind around her. Porter was not had no faults. She had sixteen thousand neurons, belly full of brain, contrast with the humans one hundred billion. But sometimes goes on in that tiny knot of tissue. She already recognised her enemy, knew its split. In its split would make any formal assault fatal. She was playing with the edge of the suburb's web, sending technical lies to a varying shade to see if it can be lured out. The target had twitched once or twice, but it will not be deceived. This is what a few tenths of a thousand of neurons can do. Portrait had tried and failed, variation after variation, homing in on what entice the most response. She, she go 
without things different. Now she'll go about things differently. Her keen eyes have been examining the surrounding of the web, the branches, the twigs that hang over and blow it. Somewhere in her little knot of neurons, a three-dimensional map had been built up from lacrimous scrutiny. She's plotted a painstaking course to which she may come in, come at the circuitries from above like a minute, minute assassin. Minute assassin. The approach is not perfect, but it's the best the environment will allow. Her scraper brain and worked it all out as a theoretical exercise ahead of time. A plain, planned approach would take her outside. A prey was much for much of the journey, but even when a prey is beyond view, it remained in her tiny mind. Yet a prey was something other than scrupulous. They they would make different tactics. It would experiment until something worked. It usually does. Porch's interest has been making those calculations decisions for millennia. Each generation physically more accomplished because its best hunters are the ones that will eat well and lay more eggs. So far, so natural. Porter is just about to get set off on her quest. Her movement attracts her gaze. Another species arrived, a male. He's been studying the circles. But now his accurate eyes are locked on her. Past individual species might have described the little male as safe to lunch in the circles and made plans accordingly. But none. But now something changed. Changed. The president of the male speaks to her. His complex new experience of crouching figure. Here, the far side of scriptural waves is not just prey mate revelant. It's just an invisible connection strung between them. She does not quite grasp what is something like her. So, but her former ability to calculate strategies has gained a new dimension, a new category appears that expands of expense options a hundredfold. Ally, a little long minutes the two hunting spiders examine their mental bats while the scutters hangs patiently oblivious between them when Porter watches the metal creep around the web's edge like a little he waits for her to move she does not he moves again at least he does not she's got to, to where she's present changes in a sense of calculation odds she moves off again to the course as she'd been plotting, scrumping, creeping, jumping, descending by Fred. All the while, her mind remains an image of the three-dimensional world and the two other spiders inside it. At last, she's in position above the Scrocklee's web, back in sight of Moshe's mail. She waits while she makes his move. He skitters to the sacred signs, cautiously testing his footing. His movements are mechanical, repetitive, as though he's not just a fragment of dead leaf. That was drifted in the web. The secretaries swift just once, then remains still. A breeze shivers, and web, the male, moves more swiftly under cover of white noise of shrieking strands. He bounces and dances abruptly, speaking to the language of the world in loud and certain t- terms. Pray, pray, trying to escape. And Secretos is instantly on the move, and Portra strikes, dropping down behind a displaced enemy, sinking her fangs into it. Her poison immobilizes her swiftly. The hunt is concluded. 
Soon after, the little mill returns. They regard one another, trying to build a new picture of their world. They feed. She is constantly on the verge of driving him away. And yet, their new dimension at community stays uh, fangs. He is prey. He is not prey. Later, they hunt together again. They make a good team. Together, they are able to make take on targets in situations that alone neither could have retreated from. Evil to retreat from. Eventually, she is promoted from prey not to prey, mate, because she, her behaviors are limited to regard males. After the act of mating, other instincts surface, and impulsions comes to an end. She lays a clutch and many eggs of many successful huntress. Their children will be beautiful and brilliant and grow to twice their size, effectively numerous, that Pana and the male both carried. Further generations carrying brighter, more successes. Still, one after the other, selectively revolving at a virtually accelerating rate, so they were best able to exploit this new advantage still and will uh, dominate dream pool for the future. Purchase children would inherit the uh, world. One of three, lights go out. Dr. Eamon Kern awoke a dozen complex feeds of information, none of which helped her restore her memories of what had happened, why she groggily returning to her conscious in a cold sleep unit. She could not open her eyes, her entire body was clamping, as she's nothing of her mental base except the overkill of information assailing her. Every system the sentry pole clamoring to report. Eliza model is managed to extract feeling queasily, bloated, constipated, overstimulated, all at once a machine in a coffin, laboured back, bringing her back to something resembling active life. Good morning, Dr. Kern, said the sentry hub in a ordinary centres. It assumed a woman's voice, strong and soaring. Kern was not reassured. She wanted to ask why she was here in Centripod, why she could feel the answer continuing, just about to hit her, and neither quite landing. Just give me something to get you my memories back together, she ordered. That is not recommended, a hub cautioned her. If you want me to make make any kind of decision, then everything fell back into our mind pieces. Dams break into unleashed a flood of horrifying revelation. The brain too was gone. Her colleagues are gone. The monkeys are gone. Everything was lost except for her. She told the hub to wake her up when the radio signals came. She took the what was intended to be very rough in her chest not worked properly. She just wheezed. About time she told her hub for all that statement will be a meanness to the computer. Now it was her talking to her and she, she simply felt she could converse with it through those human. It was always been a vexing side effect of the Elizabeth model. How much time it elapsed, Earth standard, 14 years, 18 72 days, Doctor. That's, she felt her throat open a little. That can't be. No point in telling computer it can't be wrong. Can't be wrong, and it, was right. it wasn't right. It wasn't long enough. Word couldn't have got back to Earth and rescue ship arrived back at that time, but that hope had set in. Of course, the ship had already been heading for her before status destroyed. A band, too. No doubt the man's status as a nun agent had been uncovered long before. When 
They were ridiculous up running in a field. She was saved. Surely she was saved. In initiate contact, she told the hub. I'm afraid that is not possible, Doctor. She tottered and called on assistance. Please again, better, feeling better, able to cope with them. Each part of the pod opened for her, confirming its working order. She checked the columns, receivers, more even tolerance, transmitters were working, sending the distress signal, also performing the primary function, broadcasting a complex set of messages to the planet below. Of course, it had been tended the same day, the same planet would come to cradle a new species that might receive a coding message. No chance of that now. That is all, a croaky voice infuriated it. Clarify what's the problem. I'm afraid there's nothing to indicate contact with. Initiate contact with, Doctor. The hubs and told her politely. Attention was then directed to simulation of space surrounding them, planet century. No ship from Earth. It's plain. There'd been a change, there'd been a change in radio signals, Doctor. I reckon we can't have understood to, as it's significant, I'm afraid. You're sort of saying I'm afraid, she asked angrily. Of course, Doctor. It would be, and it would, she knew. The perfect mannerism that would bar it from speech from the moment on. Since you've entered your cold sleep, I've been monitoring signing off from Earth. And, but Colonel's voice shook a little, staring, mentioned the wall. Was it, was it being used the wall on the hills of that? What Hubbard even know to make me it? Wake me. We wouldn't be able to filter the contact like that. So what I have been there, lost the mince of confusion data, but hub hired it now. Not a presence, but absence. She wanted to ask it what I was looking at. She wanted to tell it what was wrong again. She wanted to double wanted it double checked so it was not checking every single moment. There's no more signals, radio signals for Earth. The last trailing edge was a past centrum by Radiating from Earth at a speed of light, already out of date for twenty years, as he fled past her in the void. I was here the final twelve hours of signals. She had thought that there were too many of them, but they far scattered and coded. Those she could interrupt were pleased to help. She tracked them back to another forty hours, trying to replace these altogether. Holes running recorder had retained. No more than that, the exact precise details already lost, spending away spending away from her faster than she could possibly pursue. Sterling's wall had broken out, though there was, there that was all she could think it think. It had come and begun stuffing out colonies across human space. Lights had gone out across their solar system as nuns and allies rose up to wrestled with their enemies, the fate of mankind. There had been an escalation seemed inconveniently Colonel was not well aware the governments of Earth had colonized, possessed weapons of terrifying potential, and theoretical science existed for far worse. War on Earth had gone hot, and much, and that much he could tell. Neither side back down, both sides had pushed and pushed, pulling new toys from the box. The beginning of the war was lost from, two, from two, her two and a half day radio window, but she had dreadful suspicion that entire go. Conflict had lasted less than a week. Now, twenty light years away, Earth lay silent, lay silent for two decades. Were there people here all? Had the entire human race been eliminated, save for her? Or had it simply been thrown back into the new dark age, where the dumb brute people looked at those moving lights in the sky and forgot that their ancestors had built them? The stations uh, and the insular 
colonies to others she got out. Of the last transmissions from Earth was at all frequencies, all directions, ecologic virus, Dr. Elias reported domestically. His purpose was to infest and disable any system that received it. It appears he was able to penetrate down system security. I surmise the various colony systems have already been shut down. But what mean, by what means Edward felt already felt cold as any human could have? She waited, chilled realization, but there was none. The solar then the, the in solar colonies, the handful of extra solar bases were still being transformed terraformed. They'd been built early on in mankind's social history. After technology developed an extensive process of human servants and slowed the process down, so many individual toes to tread on telephone base planets was so much swifter and Kern's world was the first of those kind to be completed. Beyond Earth, mankind was terribly terribly reliant on technology as the computers. It was such a virus to take over systems that met out of Uber, disabled his systems. That meant death. Swift death, cold death, airless death. How do you survive then? How do we survive? Doctor, the virus is not designed to attack experimental uploaded human personality contracts. Peasants within my systems have prevented me from being a suitable host of the virus. And Kearns stared past the lights of the hub at the darkness side of the sentry pub pod, thinking about all the places, the great and dark, beyond where humanity once made a Made a fragile eggshell home itself, and all she think of her was, "Why did they wake me? I require you to make a command decision, Doctor. What command decision do you personally need now?" She asked for the reporter as they been necessary to return to cold sleep. The the hub told her, and she bitterly missed the. I'm afraid, which added a much much needed sense of human hesitancy. However, a lack of information concerning its current external circumstances means that I'm likely to be able to detain an appropriate trigger to awaken you. I also believe that you yourself may not be able to instruct me concerning a trigger, though you may give me instructions you wish, attempt simply specify a specific period of time. In alternative, you may simply rely on your personality to wake you at the appropriate time. The unspoken level echo was a sound in my mind. Oh, never. That would never be in time. Show me that planet. The great green orb was spun on, was produced for her. All its measurements and truths even leaking to the nested trees of additional details. Somewhere in there, world of credits, the names of the dead resigned and built each part and piece of it or guided plate tectonics and sparked its weather systems into life, fast-tracked its erosion and soil, its soil of life. But the monkeys buried, burned, all for nothing. It seems impossible to have been so close to the grand dream. She spread of life throughout the universe as over dislocation of intelligence, a granted survival of Earth's legacy. Then the war came, and stunning secrecy, just too soon. How long, long can we last? Her, was her question. Doctor, a solar rays should be able to enable uh, solar for an indefinite period of time. But it's possible that the external impact of an incriminated medical defect may eventually result in seizure of function. There is no upper limit on working lifespan. 
It probably been intended as pronouncement of hope. To the can, it sounded more like a prison sentence. Let me sleep, she told Ped. I'll acquire guidance and when to wake him up. She laughed at the sound of her own voice, hideously the clothes confines. When rescue ship arrives, the monkeys arrive. Uh, when the monkeys answer, when one dead, when, uh, uh, when the dead unload self, self ideas, it was significant. I believe I can work with those tonsils, Doctor. I will now prepare you for to return to cold sleep. Sleep for a long, long time. She returned to the tomb, a sanctum to herself. Stand watch over silent planet, the silent universe, as the last of those bells, the great space-faring human civilization. Two, pilgrimage, two, one, two thousand years from home. Mason, Ho- Mason started away in nightmare, claustrophobic, fighting it down. Almost as quickly as it hit him. Spirits have followed him. They didn't recognise where he was. Where he was and why. There's no cause for alarm. What? But the old monkey instinct still had their moments of glory. Shrinking, trapped, trapped in the hells of the mine. Packing monkeys, feelings in cold and clothes in space. His body barely fit into. Where he felt like a thousand needles withdrawing themselves from his grey and nervous, nervous skin, a tubes being yanked and more in intimate regions, none of it done with much sense or tender care. Business usual for Central Adventure. He would like to think that he really hated Central Adventure's but hadn't exactly the option for any member he rates right now. For a moment, he thought this was it. He has been woken up, but not released, to be trapped instead behind the frigid wrasse. Unheard, unnoticed, a vast, empty ship of ice corpses heading over nowhere to deep space. The primal, primal claustrophobia jumped him for a second time. He's already fighting for his life in his hands, beat the transparent parent cover above him when the seal hissed and dimmed unlighted light was replaced with a slow, steady glare of the ship's lamps. His eyes barely flinched. The suspension chamber could hardly have been bearing his body for his waking. Long before it designated spark, his mind back to life. Blatantly wondered if anything was going, had gone, something had gone wrong. It was a limited number of circumstances which he would have been relieved of that. He would hear no alarms, though. A very limited status throughout Within the chambers had all been usually fairly finished. The suspension chamber would have barely preparing the body for his waking, for he designed to spark his life back to mind back to life. But lately he wondered if something had gone wrong. A limited number of sentences which he would have been relieved after all. He hear no alarms though. Very limited status throughout Barrett. Read out within the chamber had all been safe blue bars and this that of course was that was broken of course this is Holes of Your Mark podcast show I've been reading extracts from Children of Time the winner of the 2016 Arthur Clark C. G. C. Clark Award by Adrian T C H A L K O Z V 
S K S K Y.